0: This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Forgiveness doesn't just come coincidentally or accidentally there is a process that we have to go through if we want to seek forgiveness and this is what we're going to talk about today which has been laid out for us in the Bible and seeking forgiveness of course is related to the word which is not used as much in modern society in a sense unfortunately it's the word sin and the word sin if you you imagine you're an archer and you're trying to fire fire your string your bow and fire it at a target if you hit the target right bang in the middle then that's fine but if anywhere else, you have sinned. The word sin means to miss the mark. It's to get anything other than perfect. Anything other than perfect. So if you miss by a massive amount, it's just as bad if you miss by a little amount. You're still not perfect. And as Christians, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, our opportunity, our responsibility is to try and follow Him. So anything that we do that doesn't follow exactly His example, and that of course includes all of us, misses the mark. We have sinned. But that doesn't mean to say we keep, we shouldn't keep trying. Because we know we're going to keep missing the mark. Because there may be times when we do hit the mark. And when we miss the mark. We seek forgiveness. So that we might be brought closer to God. Well if you'll open your Bibles please in the Old Testament. We're only going to turn to three passages. Uh, the book of Leviticus. The Psalms. And then the chapter that we just read. Uh, in Luke. Uh, Leviticus chapter 1. Now. In the Old Testament a lot is said about sin of course it goes right back to the, the book of um, Genesis to the Garden of Eden when basically men and men and women of today aren't interested or not it's up to them but basically the Bible makes it clear as Adam and Eve sinned they both individually missed the mark and there were coincidences from that there, were, there, were resp- uh, there was an outcome from that they were cast out of the Garden of Eden and they had the unfortunate curse of death upon them as we all have as in Adam all die but of course that wasn't the end of it for Adam and Eve although we think about that as the account they still had a way of being in the kingdom of God which is something that you may have considered yourselves before or not but they had an opportunity to be in the kingdom of God if they repented if they were seeking forgiveness so wanting to get the blessings of what God offers us all Has to be closely associated with us appreciating who we are and how much we are sinners and how much we've sinned and our attitude towards trying to get closer to the example of Jesus. Now we're not going to talk about it now but when we think of the woman, I know we've just read it so it might be in one ear and out of the other but when we think of the woman that we've just read about in in Luke 7 who went into Simon the Pharisee's house, do you think she appreciated her sin? oh yes she did she wasn't casual with it was she she didn't sort of walk around and say well it's alright I know I've sin but I can be forgiven I'm alright she was weighed down by her sin now that, I mention that deliberately because there are two ways of looking at sin and, and hopefully none of us fit in either category because both of them are wrong the first way is sin is so bad my sin is so bad that there's nothing I can do to be acceptable before God That's one way of looking at sin. So people take their sin seriously. But there's no point trying. Because I'm just worthless. Well if you take that attitude. What you're saying is. Jesus wasted his time. Dying for me. Because however bad we know we are. If we acknowledge Jesus as our saviour. Our sin can be and will be forgiven. If we seek him properly. And seek forgiveness properly. The other side, which is more common in modern day Christianity is, it doesn't matter what we do, because we're going to be forgiven. Well, those people, and that might include us from time to time, are not taking sin seriously enough. This woman that went into Simon the Pharisee's house, we'll come to that in a bit later on, she was weighed down, as I said before. She took her sin seriously, but she also took forgiveness seriously. She knew there was an opportunity for forgiveness. So we have to make sure we're not on one of the other camps. Try and understand the grace of God. Anyway, Leviticus chapter 1. This is just one example throughout the whole of the Old Testament. Particularly in the law, which is the first one here in the book of Leviticus. um, Which is basically explaining how you're going to try and seek your sin to be forgiven. Now in the Old Testament, of course, before Jesus existed. Although he was in the mind of God and the plan and the purpose of God. In the things that were written. God gave them an opportunity to help them be forgiven. Why on earth would God want people to kill rams and bullocks and sheep and pigeons and the like? Because he wanted to give people an opportunity to be forgiven. And this little bit I'm going to say now might shock you, those of you who've read your Bible a lot. The act of sacrificing the animal did absolutely no benefit to anybody at all, ever. What did create the benefit for the individual? Is when they did it, when they committed the sacrifice, they had the sacrifice, if it humbled them... To realise that they were sinful, and I've got to do something to be forgiven, it was the process, it was the act of humiliation and self-lowering by going through the practice of it that made the person acceptable before God. That's what it says in Hebrews 10. Look, look at that at your leisure. The sacrifices which they had would never, would never make anybody perfect ever. So why would they continue to be offered? Said the writer to Hebrews because the conscience of the person needing to do it was what was actually getting them saved because of their attitude and again we go back to the woman in Luke what was her attitude like what was her conscience like did she storm into a man's house and say forgive me because I'm all right now I know you can forgive me just do it will you is that her attitude or was she reduced and humbled and then she went away in peace Leviticus chapter 1. So here it's talking about the offerings. and Some complicated language and we'll pass over some of it. But verse 1. And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation. Saying, speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them. If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord. You shall bring your offering of the cattle even of the herd and of the flock. So if you bring something for me for a sacrifice. Whether it be a sheep or whether it be a cow. If you're a very wealthy man. I expect you to bring a good cow. A good bull. If you're a poor person and you can't afford a cow, then you might bring a sheep. And if you can't afford a sheep, you might bring a pigeon or two turtle doves as it's called. And if you can't afford a turtle dove, bring some flour. And if you can only afford flour, don't bring any flour, bring the best flour that you've got. That's that's the principle. If and that's the big word, if you do it, you do not have to do it, says God. You do not have to bring me a sacrifice. But if you want to be saved, if you want to seek forgiveness, if you appreciate your sin, this is how I want you to do it. In the modern day poems, you do not have to be baptized. But if you want to please God, if you want to follow Jesus, if you acknowledge yourself as being sinful, if you want to please me, says God than baptism so when Jesus was baptised what does God say this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased didn't say it before he said it then he's committed himself to me if any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord ye shall bring your offering of the cows of the herd of the flock verse 3 If his offering be a burnt sacrifice... Now there are all sorts of different types of sacrifices. Here we're only looking at the burnt sacrifice. And the burnt sacrifice is quite... I'll I'll explain it very simply. Some years ago... I I try and do this once a year... But some years ago I had a bonfire outside the house. You know, Karen does all the gardening. You cut down all the waste. She leaves it in a pile for me to sort get rid of. Maybe it's just our house. But there's this massive pile of wood and clippings and all sorts of things... And I remember this one summer's day, I decided to set fire to, I set fire to it. And I set fire to it, and I set fire to my eyebrows as well, by the way. The wind changed direction, and my eyelashes came off, and my eyebrows went off. And I needed to see the barber that evening to get it all neatened up. But anyway, I set fire to just trying to keep your way. Set fire to all of this stuff. Now, what happens when you set a fire going? Which way does the flame go? It goes up. A burnt sacrifice, everything you're giving to God, it goes up to God. And in the evening we were going out somewhere, I can't remember where, and I thought, I'd better just nip outside, just to check I've not set fire to the fence or anything, because this fire was still burning. And I looked over the fence, and our lads, unusual, but there was the fire, still roaring away, but getting smaller and smaller. We went out the following morning, I was, we were leaving on a Sunday morning, early in the morning to go to Sunday school, to take my lads to Sunday school or something. Well, I thought, before we before go to Sunday school, i better just check that, that fire's still alright. And I went to the edge of the garden, to my amazement all of that stuff that had left burning had gone. You know the logs and the wood and the, it had gone. There was one little bit in the centre and it was a tiny little piece of wood with, in the lovely cool of the morning and a warm summer's day, if you know what I mean, but a little stream of smoke still going, but it was still glowing. Everything else had completely gone. There was nothing left. If we want forgiveness, that's how we offer it to God. Give everything there's got to be nothing left be totally consumed with your sinfulness just like the woman was who went into Simon the Pharisee's house and it will rise up to him as a sweet smelling savor some of you might have heard that phrase a lot and often wonder what it means if it's done in the right attitude it smells good to God if it's done in the wrong way it smells awful Verse 3, if his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. Don't you bring me, says God, any old cow that you found in your field. Don't bring me the old one in the corner of the field. Don't bring me the one with the gammy leg. If you want to be forgiven, bring the best that you've got. What did she take to Jesus, this woman in Luke 7? She anointed him with an alabaster box of ointment, very costly. She gave everything that she had because she was desperately in need of forgiveness. Would she be forgiven? Of course she would. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will. You don't have to do it, says God. These are God's words through Moses in Leviticus. It's your own voluntary will. You do not have to pray to me for forgiveness. You do not have to do that. But if you want forgiveness, this is how I expect you to do it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregate verse 4 and he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make an atonement for him there's a lot of original Jewish words in there Hebrew words in there which are extremely important but not, not to worry but it's going to be accepted this is going to be perfect that, that's a very deliberate word it's the first time it's used and it's used in Isaiah as, as the one about Jesus this is him the one in whom I Delight in. It's the same word. This is how Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, and we have to try and offer the perfect sacrifice for ourselves. And if you do, there'll be an atonement, it will cover your sins. Jumping a bit, verse 6 and he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it in pieces and, put, and the sons of Aaron the priest shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order on the fire and the priest Aaron's son shall lay the parts the head the fat in order upon the wood do you think they bothered to do any of that or do you think they just thought well we'll kill an animal that cheap one in the corner that poor one in the corner we'll throw it on the fire and set fire to it and we will all off our sins forgiven some of them would and God wouldn't like it because they've not listened to what he said And some of them would actually do everything that's been asked of them. But imagine you're the first priest here. And you're thinking, why why does God want me to skin the animal first? Well, before that, why does God want me to put my hands on the head of the animal? What's that supposed to be doing for me? And then I've got to kill it. And then I've got to skin it. And then I've got to open it up. Then I've got to wash it. Then I've got to divide it out. And then I've got to put it on a piece of... Why? It's all about our sin. He wants us to think about it, the things that we've done. He doesn't want to say, Lord, forgive me. He wants us to go through in our minds, well, what have I done? I've walked for with my eyes and my, my nose and my ears and my heart and my liver. And I, I, I've got to think about everything I've done. And that's what he's saying here you're going to flay the burnt offering, cut it in pieces and the sons of Aaron the priest shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire it's quite deliberate, don't just throw the wood on the floor and throw the animal on the fire even when you put the wood down be careful how you do it I want you to think about it when I put that log there and that log there what's that telling me? Well, it's about me isn't it, I've got to think more carefully about what I am doing and what I have done and what I need forgiveness for and then you've got to lay the the parts the head and the fat in order upon the wood that is on the fire which is on the altar and his legs and his his innards and his legs shall he wash in water What, what am I washing them in water for? what does it matter if I wash them in water? why don't I just kill the animal and throw it on? because as it says in Hebrews it's all about the conscience it's all about the individual thinking of himself what have I done wrong before God? So when he, he, he puts the animal out, he lays the wood in order, and then he puts the head at one end, no doubt looking at him with the tongue hanging out, thinking, Well what's that head of that animal telling me about me? I see the eyes. Alright, okay, I see the sins that I shouldn't have looked where I've been looking, I see the tongue, I shouldn't have said what I've been saying, I see the ear, well I shouldn't be listening to that. And then you see the fat, well what's the fat got to do with us? It represents all of our excesses, our selfishness. We want everything for us. Oh, give us an extra piece of cake, will you? Or whatever it might be. Do we worry about God? Do we worry about the person sat next to us? And then you see all the organs laid out the heart, the liver, they get washed so you can make them out, so you can see which one's which. What's it telling me about me, says the offerer. And when he's done it, verse 9 again. But his innards and his legs shall he wash in water. And the priest shall burn all upon the altar. To be a burnt sacrifice. An offering made by fire. Of a sweet savour unto the Lord. Do it with the right attitude. And God loves the smell. God accepts it. Do it casually. And God doesn't like it. Come with me to Psalm 51. I know this isn't an environment where we get... Answers back. But well, can anybody tell me, if they'd like to say so, anybody in the Bible other than Jesus, who was perfect? Well, that's funny. You're a bit slow, aren't you? Here, yeah, come on. Anybody, tell me. Anybody. For those of you who are listening online, nobody in Ormskirk knows the answer to this. So, those of you who are listening online, who, who who can you tell me in the whole of the Bible other than Jesus that was perfect? John. So he didn't sin then. Job. Job. So he didn't sin then. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Did they die? What's this chap from Halifax twittering on about? I'm going to give you an example now of somebody who was sinless in the eyes of God. It's a man called David. <coughs> Sorry, pardon. Who did you say? David? He committed adultery, didn't he? Yeah. Committed murder, didn't he? Uh, Yeah. Committed mass murder, didn't he? Uh, Yeah. But he's also a man after God's own heart. Yeah. It's a bit of a conundrum, that, don't you think? Yeah. He wasn't perfect. He was not perfect. But I tell you what he was good at. He knew he wasn't perfect. (laughs) Perfect. And when he opened up his heart for forgiveness, it was all consumed and went to God and went up to God as a sweet, sweet-smelling savor, so that God wiped it all out. We talk about sins being forgotten and you know forgiven and forgotten about, don't we? That's what God does. We might not, but that's what God does. So, in the eyes of God, I want you to, when we read Psalm 51, I have not turned to it. Think about the language we read in Leviticus chapter 1, and hear how David is picking up the same language of Leviticus 1 to talk about himself. He's just committed sin, he's just acknowledged the things that he's just done, which are totally just so you're not all aware of what I'm saying. What he'd done was totally unacceptable. God hated it. And he's the king. He's trying to be priest. He's trying to be everything for God. It was totally and utterly unacceptable. But this is what is acceptable. He lays out his sin. In extreme detail. Would you like to. On a piece of paper. Just write your name on the top of the piece of paper. And write all the sins you've committed down over the last week please. And when you've done it. Would you like to just pass it round. And when you've done that. I'd like to put it in the Ormskirk advertiser. And when it's gone in the Ormskirk advertiser, I'm going to put it in the Christadelphian magazine. And when it's gone in the Christadelphian magazine, I'm going to put it on the News at 10. And when it's been put on the News at 10, I'm going to put it in the library so that everybody for the next two and a half thousand years can read about it. Do you get the point? David was the king. Everybody knew he committed sins, and now he's writing so that everybody, including us in Ormskirk in 2014, can read about it. He's opened himself up, he's shown to himself above everybody else, Look at me, how sinful I am! And God loved him. We have an awful lot to learn from David, all of us. So, Psalm 51, and think about the language. That he picks up from Leviticus 1 have mercy upon me O God according to thy loving kindness I need your mercy God because I can't by the way what was the sacrifice that a person could offer for forgiveness of committing adultery there wasn't one it was just a death penalty what was the sacrifice for committing murder There wasn't one. It was the death penalty. What was the sacrifice that a person could offer for mass murder? There wasn't one. It was the death penalty. So according to the law, what should have happened to David? He should have been put to death. And he wasn't. And he starts off by saying, have mercy on me, O God. Be gracious unto me. Give me what I know I do not deserve. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me. Think of the language of Leviticus 1. As the the organs of the animal had to be washed out. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge from head to toe. From inside to out. Everything about me is sinful. For I acknowledge my transgressions. You think. When I said to you about writing your sin on a piece of paper. And then passing it to anybody else in the room. That's hard, isn't it? But it's not the hardest place to put your sins. Taking your sins to the elders of your church or meeting. Is not the hardest place to put your sins. Taking your sins to the local newspaper. Is not the hardest place to put your sins. Taking your sins to the Lord Jesus Christ is not the hardest place to take your sins because He died for your sins. Taking your sins to God is not the hardest place for you to put your sins. The hardest place for you and me to put your sin is my sin is ever before me. If you want forgiveness, put your sin in front of yourself as a man used to say in our meeting be careful when you point the finger because there's one going up to God one going at the person you're pointing the finger at and three coming back at you be careful David acknowledges that Everything about what I have done, says David, is in front of me. And I hate it. I can't stand it. Against thee, ultimately, he says, verse 4, against thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. What he's saying here is everything from the beginning of my life to the end of my life, everything that I've done, everything I've I acknowledge that I am full of sin. Verse 6. Think of the language of Leviticus 1 again. Behold, thou desireth truth in the inward parts. As we killed the animal, as we pressed all of our hands on the the head of the animal to say, this animal is dying because I am sinful and everything I give to that animal is representing of me. When we kill the animal and wash it and open it up and lay it all out in order thou desireth truth in the inward parts and the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom when I look inside myself and see the wickedness and the sinfulness then I'm starting to learn something about life I'm learning about wisdom if you cut the Lord Jesus Christ in half right down the middle you would not find anything sinful you would only find purity and righteousness but when you open up David that he says all I can see is iniquity sin and I don't know about you I'm the same. And the woman who went into the house of Simon the Pharisee felt exactly the same, which is why she was forgiven. Verse 8 Make me to hear joy and gladness. Think about what he's saying. Make me to hear joy and gladness. I can't hear it now because I'm so overburdened with grief for what I've done, I'm finding it difficult to be happy and joyful. I know what I've done, it was terrible. Lord make me to hear some joy and gladness. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. You've crushed me God by encouraging me to look at myself. And what I've seen I do not like. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Not just one or two. All of them. Create in me a clean heart O God and renew a right. But you see why is the man after God's own heart. Because he is so self-conscious of his own nature cast me not away verse 11 from thy presence and make take not thy holy spirit from me restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit then will I teach transgressors thy ways and that's what he's doing here who is the best person to explain to you that you as a sinner can be forgiven is it the person who thinks he's righteous who's done lots of things wrong himself but has never admitted it no it's either the Lord Jesus Christ who never did anything wrong and died for you or in the case of David he's saying to everybody all of his subjects Lord if you help me seek forgiveness if you help me be forgiven then I'm going to tell everybody about it and people will see how come you're so happy when you've gone through all of that misery because I've been forgiven that's why for those of us listening on the internet Christadelphians Are the happiest people. That ever walk. On the planet of this earth. Isn't it. I hope there's no irony. In your mind as well. We have to be happy. Because. We've acknowledged sin. And we appreciate God's forgiveness. Um, Last point. I must must just say. Verse um, 16. We talked about the sacrifices before. For. Thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. So, what did I do it for? What did God want? What well, he says The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. And when I'm broken, you will accept my sacrifices. That's what David is saying. Here. Now, let's come to the woman. Who was a broken woman, she was of a contrite or crippled spirit, that's what the word contrite means. Luke chapter 7. And Luke, along with Jesus in his wisdom, gives us the account in the context of a man who is a religious leader, a pompous, self important religious leader known as a Pharisee. The original name for Pharisees was Kazidim, which meant the separated ones which funnily enough some of us were looking at the book of Ezra this morning and the criticism in the book of Ezra was because people mixed with other people that weren't interested in God. So in the days of Ezra this body of people set up to become the separated ones. Quite right and proper that's what God told them. But by the time Jesus comes along they're so self righteous and so proper they don't care about the law in terms of what they need to do for it. They only think of the law about what it can do for them well verse 36 of Luke 7 one of them people one of the Pharisees desired him that he Jesus would eat with him and he went into the Pharisees house and sat down to meet I wonder why he went I wonder why Simon the Pharisee invited him there well I think it's pretty clear from the account that Simon the Pharisee invited him because he wanted to prove to him and himself and his mates that this isn't the son of God at the end of the meeting I think it's quite possible he realized he was but the objective of Simon was to prove that this man is not the son of God now you imagine the scene I don't know how many were there but religious leaders Pharisees all together and Jesus sat on the floor as they did having a meal and in comes the woman who is known as the woman from the city who was a sinner do you think she was brave we have to be brave if we want our sin forgiven we've got to admit to it and we've got to lay it out in front of ourselves and lay it out in front of God for forgiveness don't pretend it's not there behold a woman in the city which was a sinner it's interesting how Luke plays on words here Luke says she was a sinner Simon the Pharisee says she is a sinner interesting that, isn't it? She was a sinner she'd sinned but because she opened herself up she'd been forgiven but Simon couldn't see that behold a woman in the city which was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the pharisees' house she brought an alabaster box of ointment something very expensive and stood at his feet behind him weeping do you think she takes her sin seriously do you think she's flamboyant and not bothered that oh he's all right he's jesus he's just going to forgive me i'm fine she took her sin very seriously she couldn't even get in front of him she was so self-obsessed with her own difficulties and this was her lord this was the one she wanted to see and she began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with her ointment. she adores him jesus is the only one and the whole of the the city, the whole of the town, the whole of the world that can help her in her difficulties. And she is laying everything out and she doesn't care about the Pharisees around her. She only cares about her sin and what her Lord can do for her. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself saying. This man if he were a prophet. Would have known who and what manner of woman this is. That toucheth him. For she is a sinner. He's not got the judgment of God. He would not understand. That Jesus already appreciated this woman. For what she is. Yeah she's a sinner. But she is. So desperately sorry. Jesus appreciates this woman, but for Simon the Pharisee doesn't it's a dinner party the beginning of the dinner party no doubt and i'm making this bit up no doubt simon the Pharisee's thinking well i'm having a dinner party you know i'll put my best shirt on i'll put my best tie on and i'll invite all my poshest friends and i'll get that jesus of Nazareth. we'll have a right good laugh with him we'll show him how he's not the son of god and by the time he's left oh it's going to be a marvelous evening tonight oh, come on you know you've all wanted to chat to this jesus to prove him wrong come on in come on in and then this woman walks in you think she was invited what do you think Nathan do you think Simon enjoyed his dinner party I think he left finished the dinner party with what we might call indigestion he was feeling very comfortable at the start of the dinner party and she was feeling desperate by the end of the dinner party he was feeling very uncomfortable and how did she leave she went in peace she'd opened up herself and she'd had all her sins forgiven and she knew she had an awful lot of them so they were forgiven but Simon the Pharisee now feels very small because he realises that all the fingers are now pointing back at him and he tells this little parable about the debtors verse 44 and he turned to the woman and said to Simon now that's beautifully phrased that so I don't know how the room was set out of course but let's imagine Simon's here and they're all here and the woman's come in behind so He's got Simon here. And the woman's behind him washing his feet. So he's talking to Simon. I have something to say to you. You see this woman. Do you think he saw her before? She comes barging into his house. Do you think he saw her? He didn't see her properly. He's going to see her now. He's going to see a woman who's laid down all her sins. Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house thou gavest me no water for my feet but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head thou gavest me no kiss but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet my head with oil thou didst not anoint but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment wherefore I say unto thee and this is for us too her sins which are many he doesn't say there weren't any her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Come on, Simon, what are you gonna say? No comment. And he said unto her, "Thy sins are forgiven." That's what she went for. And how does she respond? John is beautiful in the way he portrays the image. Thy sins are forgiven, and she says. Uh, uh, What can you say? This woman is now speechless. There's no record of her saying anything anyway. She's crying that much. You can't wash somebody's feet with tears without crying a lot. She is now utterly speechless, but so too is Simon and the others. And they that sat at meat with him or sat at the meal with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? and he said to the woman thy faith has saved thee go in peace no more tears and she said I don't know what you or I are going to say when the Lord Jesus returns back to this earth and by grace offers us a place in his kingdom I don't know what we could possibly say when he says all of those millions of sins that you have forgiven, by the way I've forgotten them Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I don't know what I'm going to say. Do you? I don't think we can say anything. But the first thing we've got to get right. Is how do we approach him. However sinful we think. And know and believe ourselves to be. If we approach the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing him as our Lord and Master. And approaching with the right attitude. He will say, Go in peace. Seeking forgiveness. It's the best thing we could possibly ever do. Do it often. No comment. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. That's what she went for. And how does she respond? John is beautiful in the way he portrays the image. My sins are forgiven. And she says. What can you say? This woman is now. Speechless. There's no record of her saying anything anyway. She's crying that much. You can't wash somebody's feet with tears. Without crying a lot. She is now utterly Speechless. But so too is Simon and the others. And they that sat at meat with him or sat at the meal with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. No more tears. And she said, I don't know what you or I. Are going to say when the Lord Jesus returns back to this earth and by grace offers us a place in his kingdom I don't know what we could possibly say when he says all of those millions of sins that you have forgotten. by the way I've forgotten them enter thou into the joy of thy Lord I don't know what I'm going to say do you I don't think we can say anything but the first thing we've got to get right is how do we approach Him. However sinful we think and know and believe ourselves to be, if we approach the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing him as our Lord and Master, and approach him with the right attitude, he will say, Go in peace. Seeking forgiveness is the best thing we could possibly ever do. Do it often. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, uk